sorry. There is nothing I fucking hate more than having my hair wet and down while I'm wearing these headphones. That's fair. I don't like putting headphones on wet hair, especially because like it fucks up how my hair dries, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, all right, at least if I put it back in a ponytail, that's, uh, it's one thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is Saturday night high and uh, <laughs> I just stepped in shit. You guys like literally in my donut sock. It's so cute. It has donuts on it. Um, yeah, it was, it was cat shit because I live with a dog, a fish, a snake and three cats. Um, and Oh, I've been thinking about this for so long. Speaking of shit talking today, we're talking about live from New York. Um, <laughs> part six. Six, yes. Yeah, it is uh, still crazy after all these years, which is also a Paul Simon song. Pretty sure he played it on the first time he was on. And again, he did it the, like the last time he did SNL when he supposedly retired. Um, it covers the years 1995 to 2002. And yeah, this, it's getting closer to, sla- it's getting closer to when I started watching slash I remember seeing some, I think the next part really covers that, but this is getting damn close. Yeah, this is my lifetime, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I was not born in 2002, I promise. (laughs) No, but I do remember the moment I found out your birth year and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because even though logically I knew when it had to be, it was still like, oh my God, that is, that's later than, that doesn't sound right. I don't think that much time has passed anyway. (laughs) So yeah, we kick off. Part six. Oh, and I'm Gilda. Okay, and I'm Steph. <laughs> yeah, and we are the hosts of this podcast. I am quite stoned on some Black Mamba right now. Nice. Aero Pro, where are you at? So I just smoked a joint on the roof. So lucky. It was so nice. There was also like a, two guys smoking. I don't know if they're smoking a joint or a cigarette but they were like really far from us, but it was just like, wow, the girls and the guys. <laughs> yeah, so we kick off chapter six uh, with the quote from, and this is live from New York, the complete uncensored history of Saturday Night Live is told by its stars, writers, and guests compiled by James Andrew Miller and Tom Shales. We will post an indie, oh, indie whatever bound. it is, not Indiegogo, IndieBound, thank you. Um, Yeah, so we'll post that link there in our show notes as well. But yeah, so it starts off saying, we quote, it had been something of a Saturday night massacre. Lauren Michaels was forced to fire Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. He was ordered to fire Tim Meadows too, but managed to stay that execution. And it's like, okay, that's a very random note to throw in there, but cool. Right. And... Uh, says it didn't hurt the uh, Saturday Night Live probably had nowhere to go but up back up rebounding as it had done so many times before it didn't hurt that the likes of Will Ferrell, Sherry Terry, Daryl Hammond, Chris Kattan, Chris Kattan, Kattan, Jimmy Fallon, Anna Gasteyer, Tracy Morgan, Molly Shannon, Horatio Sands, and Tina Fey were waiting in the wings. I know who Chris what's-his-face is I just don't know how to pronounce his name right now because I'm baked so 
That's what happens when you read more than you listen to things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it, it's true. There are so many words that I've just, I've pronounced and people are, or I've said, and people are like, do you mean this? And it's like, yeah, because I've read it half a dozen times, never heard it pronounced. So always a fun moment when you hear something pronounced for the first time. <laughs> um, but yeah, this like cast was great in this section. We got to some really fun people. Um, but I guess like at the beginning of this part there was some like like they're talking about the patterns that SNL goes through of ups and downs and like you know good reviews bad reviews and that's just sort of how it is and that must be so nice to be able to have ups and downs and like power through them I don't know right and just know that like it's there's a cyclical nature to the show Yeah, Steve Higgins says on page 426, we hear that, quote, it isn't good as it used to be, unquote, thing constantly. I think it probably started on show two in 1975, dot, 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 which I thought was funny because I actually thought show two, excuse me, I thought show two was better than show one. So, but that's just personal Paul Simon preference over here. Dot, 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 Lauren mapped the whole thing out. He told me, here's what's going to happen. Olmeyer's going to be gone. He's giving us grief now, but he's going to be gone and someone else will come in. And by that time, the show will be at its height again. But then two years later, it'll come down again because the avalanche will start. You'll see Saturday Night Dead. We'll see that for a while. And then it'll be the show is funnier than it's ever been. And then it'll be the show is worse than it's ever been. And it's fucking true. It's, I don't know, it's just the show has been on for 46 years. It's some years it's good. Some years it's bad. Some weeks it's amazing. Some weeks it's shit. It's just any show. I'm going to (coughs) sneeze. Excuse me. Sorry. I've known that I was going to sneeze for like 10 minutes and it was just like, uh, it's just going to happen at some point. Um, You really powered through for 10 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I fought it. Um, I probably should have just sneezed before we started, but you know, whatever. I can't force myself to sneeze. Um, Yeah, cyclical. I don't know. It's just like, even with shows that are, I almost said completely staged. That's called fiction, Gilda. Um, (laughs) Even scripted. Yeah, scripted. Thank you. Wait, no, this is is also scripted. very important because it was a writer show and then it becomes a performer show in this section right and so but it's like even in shows that are planned out meticulously not week to week to week um there are good episodes there are bad episodes i love the sopranos but like i there are bad episodes of the sopranos there are bad episodes of west wing like it is nothing can be fucking perfect we're human anyway now that we've covered those two pages in seven minutes (laughs) i'm not kidding i think this is going to be a two-parter i i i tend to agree we're getting we're getting into some good shit here not good but you know like juicy like the shit that i stepped in a few minutes ago right well i mean you know shit (laughs) happens on my bathroom floor um okay yeah so (laughs) Speaking of shit, I guess like what what was the name? Olmeyer yeah. didn't want Al Franken to be um the update host. So then it was Norm McDonald and Jim Downey. 
um and update became it was described as being like more cold and nasty um which i don't know i haven't seen any of norm mcdonald's updates i do and this is i was I feel like I, I know I've seen clips here and there. I haven't seen any like full weekend updates of his, but I do feel like I remember when I was younger, people talking about um, Norm MacDonald and how I didn't know what it was at the time because I was a wee small thing, but they were talking about how Weekend Update or Saturday Night Live or whichever it was whichever term they were using, it it felt meaner. And it was like, it didn't really fit the tone of the mid nineties. It was, I mean, there was bad shit going on, but it was actually a fairly peaceful time in America. That's I mean, not really- It was I, a little just, grungy, you know? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It was just like, I, I, I don't, and maybe it's just because that's what I was young and I just have a blissful view of that time period because I don't know any other way to look on it except back from now. But it's st- I'm never going to be able to experience the 90s as an adult. Like I could just look back at it historically. And I distinctly remember people talking I just say I distinctly remember. I don't distinctly remember. It's a fuzzy, hazy memory of people talking about Norm MacDonald and how it, how he felt meaner. Yeah. I remember the weirdest fucking shit. <laughs> he didn't really, like, care. I mean, I remember the weirdest shit, too. It's, anyways, um, he didn't really care what, like, people thought of him when he was, you know, putting together his little scripts, which Ch- Chevy Chase also agreed with that he doesn't really care what the audience thinks um which is very obvious i mean and i think that's a good thing to a certain extent like i think sometimes not writing for the audience is good you write to be funny like you can see it in michael che's jokes week to week he's you see oh you're gonna love this one like you know like you don't write for the crowd you write because it's funny and it pushes boundaries and i so i understand that but you also don't want to go too far in the other direction which we've seen check out season one of saturday night high um yeah season one was a little bit tough you guys we just finished it though yeah anyways (laughs) um norm mcdonald also said fuck on air he did say fuck on air um john olmeyer i i have that he's a spiteful bitch in my notes and i don't know oh mainly that he got Jim Downey thrown out in early 95 and it, yeah, it was just, that was a whole bullshit thing. But Don Olmeyer said it was part of the problem, that part of the problem, that was the whole problem. I think what you have there, when Saturday Night Live is really good, they do care what the audience thinks. And when Saturday Night Live is not really good, they're kind of doing it for themselves and their pals. And I honestly think that when they're doing it for themselves and their pals, it's funnier because they're just trying to make each other laugh and they're just going out there to have a good time. When the show is popular and they're pulling stunts and drop-ins and it feels fake. That's not what people tune in to see. Like they, they, you do tune in to see it because you know it might happen, but it's not 
Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess speaking of Don, however you pronounce Olmeyer. Mr. Man's name, um, <laughs> he, I guess, played golf with O.J. Simpson, um, and they made a joke about O.J. like after his acquittal, and I think it was the cold open of one of the episodes. So, must have been a fun round of golf. That was a point of contention between uh, the whole Donnie McDonald slash Donnie McDonald versus Don Olmeyer thing is on page 429. Uh, insiders and outsiders alike, meanwhile, saw it as something other than a coincidence that the Donnie McDonald updates were mirthless, mirthfully merciless on the topic of O.J. Simpson, that well-known unconvicted murderer about town who'd hosted the show in its third season. Didn't know that until I read this. Um, Excited. Right? And more significantly, was a longtime golf playing crony of none other than Don Olmeyer. So this was Norm Macdonald and Jim Downey's way of kind of getting back at Don Olmeyer. Also has absolutely nothing to do with the episode, but one of my memories on Facebook was a post of, it was someone took a picture of, OJ had someone take a picture of him outside of a Costco stocking up a year ago today, like stocking up for Corona. And he's like, who's scared of coronavirus? Not me. And the response that I put, or not that I posted, I took a screen grab of someone's response to this saying, statistically, I think I have a larger chance of being killed by the coronavirus or by you than the coronavirus. And I thought it was a funny fucking burn at that point. Very wrong in hindsight. Tough. (laughs) Yeah. We were all fools. Yeah. I, I, we drank like the fucking world was ending a year ago tonight. I, it was like NBA, NHL suspended their seasons. Tom Hanks had coronavirus. It was like, fuck, Jesus Christ, this, this is happening. So I became a stoner <laughs> a year ago today. Not really. I didn't start smoking hardcore until like April. Okay. I was going to say you became I mean, like a stoner star. Okay. I, I mean, mean, like- I've been one, but like, <laughs> like in every, like I smoke every day. Like that did not happen before the pandemic. I would have been flabbergasted at the way that I live. That, <laughs> yeah, that did not happen before the pandemic either. But literally, thank you, marijuana, for the fucking pat. Like it got me through this goddamn year. Yes. Okay, on page four twenty-seven, uh, it talks about how. Um, the show is going into uh, character-based sketches and we see this with the rise of sketches like the cheerleaders or stefan or target lady or gilly or the californians it's like the repetitive sketches this was kind of a thing prior to that in terms of you know they had repeat sketches of wayne's world but not a ton um you see it with samurai fataba john belushi's character in the early seasons like they've done it but it's not like every it's there aren't recurring characters or recurring sketches every episode if that makes sense yeah like Um, stefan had a bit of an arc um (laughs) right which i appreciate that they gave him a story arc with seth meyers that was perfect it gave him yes. a reason to be there, which it didn't feel like other correspondents that just kind of pop out. There has to be like a storyline. Anyway, that's 
Stefan, one of my all-time favorite correspondents. All right. I, okay, I want to say something that I was absolutely horrified about was that, okay, so Chris Farley died in Christmas in, hang on, you're going to have to give me a second. The dog found yeah. a squeak toy. Oh. Hey. That is not a podcast activity. Sorry, bub. Okay, for some reason I have an art, well, not for some reason, it's because I think she's hot. I have an article pulled up about Cecily Strug's relationship status. Um, what is it? Uh, she's dating a guy named Jack. I guess they started dating in December of 2019. And then he got coronavirus and she thought he was going to die. And I guess they're doing great. Wow. Well, that's good for Disney Strong. Right. Hang on, Chris Farley. Okay. So something that fucking horrified me. He died on December 18th, 1997. He was 33 years old. I kind of remember when this happened in that all of the adults in my life were like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, well, I don't think they, they didn't say that word in my presence, but everyone was fucking talking about it. Okay, so on page 437, it says, as November became December, Olmeyer grew increasingly, what? I'm just like so high right now that oh. I wasn't even listening. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know, I'm blathering. God. No, that's okay. I just like started thinking so damn hard about like, addiction okay oh god i know okay a few weeks ago i was doing a deep dive on john belushi and for some fucking reason i clicked on an article and the article i clicked on had like pictures of celebrities after they died but before they were taken into medical care um do you still have that article not to be weird (laughs) i do um (laughs) no so Chris Farley was one of these, and the picture was fucking sad, fucking terrible. But so, um, and the thing is, is that Lauren Michaels had paid for Chris Farley to go to rehab. He had really, he did not want to have another John Belushi. He did not want to have another star go through that. And he, I mean, Chris Farley's hero was John Belushi. He wanted to be the man. He would wear his clothing around the set like from like from the costume departments but addiction fucking sucks and he fell prey to it slash he met an unfortunate untimely end and so don olmeyer was not happy with saturday night live and on 437 this is a long quote stick with me guys 437 The Olmeyer era proved to be one of the most difficult periods for Michaels. Everyone knew Olmeyer had complaints about the cast, particularly Norm and writer Jim Downey. At one point, Michaels, hoping to protect McDonald and buy time, tried to placate Olmeyer with the promise, if you feel this way at the end of the season, I will make a change. But as November became December, Olmeyer grew increasingly angry and frustrated, calling on Michaels to set up a dinner meeting in Aspen, where both men would be spending the Christmas break. Then, a week before Christmas, Michaels received word that Chris Farley had died. The funeral would be held in Madison, Wisconsin, Farley's hometown, on the very night Michaels was scheduled to have dinner with Olmeyer. 
Michaels flew to Madison along with cast member Tim Meadows, attended the funeral, spent time with Farley's family and friends, and flew back to Aspen in time to keep the appointment with Olmeyer. Cancel the fucking meeting, you ghoul! That's why climate change is so damn bad right now. Well, that wasn't what I was referencing, but I do agree the use of private jets is fucking stupid. Bit much. The man had to fucking bury one of his former employees slash pseudo children. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, true. It, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh, continuing. Although Michaels knew the dinner would be difficult, he also thought, perhaps naively, that since he had just buried a young man he truly loved, one whose death had been unfortunately drug-related and had gone through a painful ordeal with Farley's aggrieved family, maybe Olmeyer would tread lightly and not be fulminating at full force. Olmeyer seemed unfazed by the circumstances and in no mood to relent. He looked at Michaels and declared, Norm's got to go. That's why the firing happened when it did in the middle of the season. Some believe that if Michaels hadn't been so emotionally drained by Farley's death, he might have been better able to put up a fight and save McDonald. But it was not to be. Like, Jesus goddamn Christ. Yeah, poor Lorne. Really? I mean, I know Lorne has made some weird decisions and you can criticize him, but fuck. That sounds like a terrible fucking night. Yeah, no. And then it got like dramatic because uh, Norm MacDonald was like, okay, I'm going to go on Letterman. Letterman? <laughs> Letterman. It's <laughs> like saying Slenderman as um, like Slenderman. That's so funny to me. Anyways, um, <laughs> so he went on Letterman or he was going to go on Letterman. Um, and that caused a whole thing that all. Um, Oh, oh my, or didn't want, you know, he didn't want the drama I mean, of it all. David Letterman, he's been in the news recently for some really creepy shit. I don't condone that. I appreciate his brand of humor. I am a Letterman fangirl and watched him for most of the time that he was on television. <laughs> so I clearly did not watch Mr. Letterman. No, no. I can I can send you some highlights. He was a quirky dude. Was he would put on a Velcro suit. Like, you know how, okay. Do you remember when we were little, it was like discs that you put your hand in and there were like tennis balls and you threw them and you had to catch it. Oh no. Uh, yes. Okay. I was like, please. I was like, I am so fucking dating myself as an old millennial here. <clears throat> it's like, remember when we were in the backyard and we played Velcro balls? Like, you know, Jesus. Um, I think I got that from um, like Subway or something, you know, like that's one of the toys you get when you get a oh, like, kid's meal. <laughs> okay. I mean, we had like a whole, we had like a set of like six so we could all play with our parents and their friends and like, you know, it was, yeah. Um, anyway, he would put on like a soft fuzzy suit and throw himself at a Velcro wall and oh, like, fuck. Yeah, like, that was the fucking stuff he did. Because he had, like, you know, Seth Meyers' show? Yeah. He had that time slot in the 80s, oh. early 90s. Yeah, he had the 1230 time slot. You could fucking do anything at 1230. Like, go be weird. It's yeah, the only people... Oh, my God, me too. Yeah, so that was Don Olmeyer. I have no idea where the fuck we got there. Um, okay. Oh, Tina Fey. Tina Fey joined the show. Oh yes, I fucking love her. I have her book, Bossy Pants, and I've 
Still not read it. <gasps> it's so good. Amy Poehler's book is better. Hers is good. I love her book. I would say her book was so fucking rad. I loved it. But yeah. Um, on page 440, Colin Quinn's reign. Oh, Colin Quinn did update in between McDonald and Tina Fey, but I had nothing highlighted. And uh, yeah, nothing kind of groundbreaking happened in those late years. It was kind of rebuilding. So 2000. It was that cycle. Yeah, it was the low point of the cycle. Um, when the show returned for a new season in the fall of 2000, head writer Tina Fey and cast member Jimmy Fallon took over Update and made it a showpiece again. It was no longer a parody of a newscast. Now it was just a sexy pair of smart Alex sitting around and making fun of the world. Which I love that. So happy. There was a format change. So Yeah, the Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon updates are fantastic. Yeah, and I also like the Tina Fey, she's like, I came here as a writer. I did not expect to be on camera. Like, I like that because a lot of people come into the Saturday Night Live thing like, oh man, I want to be famous. And she's like, I was just a writer. And, oh, okay. Um, Jimmy Fallon has also joined the cast at this point. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Gilda's not totally a fan of Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's also getting divorced, according to Gilda's blind items. Ooh. Mm -hmm. he, <laughs> he, he likes to go out after his tapings, go out to bars, get drunk, and fuck college girls. And his wife didn't mind the substance abuse, but she's tired of the cheating. So, Damn. Also- Is monogamy fake? Yes. Who knows? I mean- <laughs> um originally jimmy fallon says originally he didn't even want to do update and i'm like bullshit you want your name known like there's no fucking way you weren't all over that but nice goddamn try and he says he has no idea about the news or anything he doesn't read doesn't well, surprise that. me yeah i was like all right i buy that um he says he reads usa today because it's got color pictures and stuff and it's like oh my fucking god it's like nah um yeah he does talk kind of like an asshole um <laughs> yeah but i think pivoting away from parody and using it as a daily show style news rundown just like quippy thing i i think it's smart i i think it's one of the better moves that the show made in recent decades for sure for sure please talk for a bit because i know the next thing i want to talk about and it's gonna be a rant so Wow. The next thing that I like had written down was just the fact that it was 2000, it was an election year. And so um, that became a, a bit of like a theme in the episodes and Al Gore uh, hosted, right? <laughs> I took such bad notes in this section. I can't lie to you. Al Gore hosted. Um, and he, I guess, hosted, wait, was this, was he the one who was like, oh, I didn't know if I was going to um, run? So <clears throat> that, I believe, no, no. Um, I think that happened no, no. later because no. in 2000, he was running. He was running for president in 2000. He lost to George Bush. So I think. Yeah, no, that is absolutely a fact because 
<laughs> I do remember is a fact because I was a little fucking political nerd and I hung Gore Lieberman signs from my fucking dollhouse because I, I had my dollhouse have political propaganda. God damn it. I'm a shameless little liberal. Anyway. Um, Am I literally crazy? There was somebody who hosted and was like, oh. No, no, no. It was, it was Al Gore, but that was in like 2003, 2004-ish. It was like oh. right when An Inconvenient Truth came out and he was kind of questioning, do I try again or do I not? And that was that week. So he did host four years later, but the SNL in 2000 um, is kind of when it turned and got a little more political. Um, and I say a little more, I mean a lot more. Um, and again, that's kind of when I started hearing about it more because I was a little political nerd and I would see headlines or I would see a clip of something on the news and it's like, oh, okay, there's a comedy show at night that adults watch and it mocks politics, but I was still too young at that point to watch it. Um, yeah. Okay, so Rudy Giuliani hosted Saturday Night Live at some point and this is back when Rudy Giuliani was like still a semi-respected politician who had still married his cousin, but... Wait, I did not know that about him. Uh-huh. Okay, interesting choice yeah. to make. Yep. Um, I... What are you, royalty? Who the fuck does that? Um... Rudy Giuliani cousin. But yeah, this was back when he was like, Rudy Giuliani. Second cousin and first ex-wife. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, he hosted... And he said it was one of the, but of the experience he had while he was mayor, that was one of the most enjoyable. It was just a great experience. Part of me is like, woo, good for you. And the other part of me is like, you're the mayor of New York City. Do you really need to be taking a fucking time? Like not week, obviously he wasn't there for the full week, but like, ugh, anyway. Ugh. So Lauren convinced me I could, yeah, bullshit. Like he didn't say yes at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Rudy yeah Rudy Giuliani also plays a very large part in the aftermath of 9-11 Saturday Night Live I believe it was the first show to come back if not one of the first it was it was their return for it was like the first episode of the season was right after 9-11 right weeks, I think yeah right and it was the whole should we push it should we not I do remember when it came back it being a thing and Lauren was out there with Rudy Giuliani and there were firefighters and police officers that had been at ground zero. And Lauren asked if it was okay to be funny again. And Giuliani had the line, why start now? And it was like a big cultural moment of like everyone in America tuned in. Cause it was like, uh, I don't want to say it was like the coronavirus in terms of like nothing was happening, but like everything ground to a halt after that. And it was like, well, we should tune in because they have to address it. What are they going to say? So, yeah, I mean, when I was reading the part about the aftermath of 9 11, which is much further in this chapter, um, I, I know, I know, I jumped and now I'm like, fuck, there are other things I want to talk about. So, we should just put a pin because I saw Rudy Giuliani's name and I thought we were further ahead than we were. And I realized as I was like halfway through that, I'm like, fuck, this isn't what it's talking about. <laughs> 
yeah this is so he was just the mayor and he just hosted (laughs) and there was he talked about like making characters and he liked he liked the whole um you know the excitement of it all um but so okay so snl was more political they had the mayor in new york they have rudy giuliani host we'll get back to the 9-11 stuff promise um but steve higgins on page 449 says around here you brave the storm that's the only way i can think of it you just brave it when it's a sunny day you can frolic on deck and when it's stormy you cling to the mass dot 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 when it's the political stuff the best is when someone who's a democrat goes oh you really gave it to bush and someone who's a republican will go oh you really laid in to gore that's the reaction we should be getting and again i agree with that because that's when saturday night live is at its best when it's going after both parties or both sides of an issue when it's skewering everyone when it doesn't feel like it has an agenda but the agenda that it does have is to poke fun at everything and kind of (laughs) like not really yeah Um, but yeah no that, that i do like that they do that i feel like we haven't poked any fun at biden um in a bit and it is kind of funny that he said we would get $2,000 and I'm not going to get $2,000, but you know. <laughs> I will, I, I am also irritated about that. That's a cop out saying, well, we're adding 1400 to make it 2000. It's like, nah, bitch, you promised me $2,000. Give me the motherfucking $2,000. That being said, Gilda is poor. Gilda does not have a high fancy job. So I will take the 1400 gladly and happily. So I actually just did my taxes today because they had my old bank information and it took me six weeks to get the last stimmy because they had to keep trying the bank account and then mail me a fucking check. And we all know what the postal service has been like lately. Sometimes really, really good. Honestly, sometimes really, really good. I'm very happy (laughs) with it this past week. But the previous few weeks, I wanted to kick it in the shins anyway yeah (laughs) rudy giuliani was quoted somewhere as saying that the political humor on snl was like the best which i don't like that i have a similar taste as that man well and i also think that man has gone through some shit in the past 20 years um yeah no on page 450 he says it's among the best and does he think it has an actual effect on people politically gee i don't know i can hear him saying that says it doesn't for me because i take it as humor uh says so when they've made fun of me or made fun of basically my heroes or the republicans i like i know they've made people (laughs) fun of democrats so it doesn't offend me i think some people kind of watch it selectively i don't think it has a big political effect in that sense and i'm like he sounds so fucking level-headed here what happened like other than old age like what the fuck so level-headed like that made sense i agree with everything that man just said yeah i think he knows how to talk um he wants to it's just sad when it's like take away the keys man you gotta know when to take away the keys grandpa you can't talk to the cameras anymore come on yeah oh okay um yeah uh 451 they talk about bill clinton's charisma and as someone who has met bill clinton was his eye contact point for a speech and who talked to him after the speech i can say his that man that man has got something i don't like him i think he's most likely a rapist but when he talks to you it's like you two are the only two fucking people in the room what is it he never forgets a bitch is that what um 
I, I John think Mulaney. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, great. I, it was my few minutes with Bill. Wonderful. I have no complaints. Nothing happened, but well, he he did have his hand rather far down on my waist slash hip slash upper butt, but that's fine. That's not going to get put in the podcast because I don't need people coming after me. It's not my fault. Slick Willie found me hot. Anyway, um, we're going to move the fuck on. I just wanted to, you know what? Maybe that will be it. I don't really give a shit. Bill Clinton thought I was hot. I don't make, a, make, a, make of that what you will. Um, yeah, please take over. I'm going to stop raging for a bit. Hang on. I'm trying to figure out where I am in my notes right now. I, I know. Um, I'm jumping around. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm jumping around as well. Uh, ooh, whoa. I just forgot to inhale for a very long time as I was reading. Um, <laughs> got a little... What, what do they call that when you're lightheaded anyways um <laughs> <laughs> not think that yeah. was what you were gonna say it was like oh, oh yeah okay that's fine so <laughs> at this point um some of the cast members on the show were younger than the show which um meant that they had grown up watching the show which is i think really cool and really fun and such a cute little like concept but yeah yeah. (laughs) jimmy fallon talked about watching it a lot he did talk about that a lot jimmy fallon talked a lot in this book and i say that kind of not i mean i talk a lot but like i don't like jimmy fallon i like me um i yeah i just as someone who also i mean obviously i'm younger than the show i am not 46 years old thank you very much um (laughs) But it's like, as someone who's also younger than the show, it's like, okay, yeah, that's the only perspective I have. That's fair. It's like, I associate with that and I can try to pretend to have been older than the show, but like, it's even, I don't know, it's obvious when we watch earlier seasons that it's just like, I try to put myself in the mindset of someone watching it from 1975, 1976, so I can truly enjoy the comedy, but sometimes it's just, it yanks you out and you're just like, okay, what the fuck? That wasn't okay. That was actually offensive. That sucked. Um, So yes, as someone who's only been around for like modern SNL, I, yeah. Yeah, people uh, lived differently back then, Um, which, I mean, we saw a lot of in season one and um, Jimmy Fallon specifically mentioned something from season one, Mr. Bill, and I was so surprised that he mentioned that because that was the most whack shit I ever watched. Yeah, that was fucked up. It was like claymation, but the clay guy got like, a comb across his face and it was yeah i no fucking thank you i i can yeah, that was a whole video that i did not it's enjoy. apparently it's apparently gonna be a thing in the coming seasons he apparently comes back for like a recurring it's like a recurring thing so once we hit season two i guess we'll see but we'll see what jimmy fallon saw in mr bill um um I did, oh fuck, 459 to 460. Okay, so I guess um, Tracy Morgan. I fucking love Tracy Morgan. Um, 
I was so sad when he was in that accident. We were all like, oh shit, is Tracy Morgan going to die? I really loved it when Tracy Morgan came back. And I even, I loved it even more when he hosted SNL and he walked out and he, for the first few seconds, talked as if he had a major speech impediment and was like, no, no, I got you. I had you for a second though. Cause like he started talking as if like he was having a really hard time or if he was having a stroke and the audience was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And it was just, it was a complete gag. And I shrieked. I remember that so viscerally. Anyway, Tracy Morgan on page 459 says, you know, when I first saw Lauren Michaels, I was working at Yankee Stadium before I got into show business. It's where I met my wife 14 years ago. I used to see Lauren Michaels go in gate four every day. I was selling t-shirts and all that. I was a vendor at Yankee Stadium. Now look where I'm at. It was so ironic that I met Lauren Michaels like that. And now years later, he's my boss and I'm working on his show. I didn't know him. I was a kid from the ghetto trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And my God, if that is not like a started from the bottom, now we're here moment. Like, that's crazy. That is crazy. I love when like celebrities talk about jobs that they did before they broke into the biz. Yeah. It's fun. It's so fun. It's so, it's like, it's relatable. It's like, oh, you know what it's like to work fucking customer service. You know how shitty it is. Like everyone can fucking relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, Tina Fey talked about how on uh, 461, she says, the 70s and the 21st century are just so different. There's no drugs and there's no sex at the show now. I don't believe that. I yeah I'm not sure if I believe that either it, it, it's probably not at the height of like I think Garrett Morris in earlier chapters referenced people like freebasing in his office like I don't think yeah. that is going on but you can't tell me they're not walking out to the fucking patios or whatever leaning out windows and smoking their shit or whatnot like I I'm sorry and also we know that there's sex backstage. Like, okay, in the article I was just reading, apparently Cecily Strong dated Mike O'Brien, who was a writer for SNL for years. Like, sorry, that's sex behind that, that. I mean, right. I mean, yeah, very, yeah. I'm happy she was happy. They're, they're no longer together, but, you know, good for her. And like, she was making her, making her, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, if I was a cast member, like, I don't care what the other people are doing, but I'm going to have sex with everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, the, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's like, not, not the station is open, but like, it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, you into me, let me know. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Tina Fey says, experience things. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Tina Fey says, we always make jokes about, I would have died if I'd been here in the 70s. I just wouldn't have made it. And then I also sometimes wish for those days because I wish I was around when everybody was sleeping with each other. It just sounds like a lot more fun. It's like, yeah, that, that does sound like fun. Yeah, it really fucking does. Drugs and sex. Those are fun. Um, <laughs> they are. But they got a little more serious, according to Tina Fey, which, I mean, I think some of the cast members in this time period were a little bit more straight-edged. Like, I, I just got that, like, impression from, like, Maya Rudolph, for example. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, people were also having babies during SNL, during this point at SNL, like, um... Oh, on, uh, I can't uh, uh, um, on a, on a, uh, Anna Gasteyer. Um, you know, 
I think I Anna Gasteyer, I think it was Anna Gasteyer that had kids. I know Maya Rudolph was pregnant at least once during the run of SNL. Like, um, yeah, and Lauren was cool about it, which is so yeah, cute. It was so cute. But that, again, that wouldn't have been possible or really even a good idea with earlier casts with the amount of drugs and whatnot that was going on. Like, it just wasn't, those people weren't at that stage in their lives. Whereas these cast members are a bit older, they're a bit more established. And it's like, you know what? Fuck it. It's a job. I want to have a kid. They can't say no. Yeah, that's true. And I really appreciate the older cast members. Like, they bring a different perspective to the show. And it's great. Um, I feel like now that we're talking about this, uh, this new cast and how they're a little different from the old cast, we should maybe close this part of part six up. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree um, <laughs> because I was just counting pages and we still have 50 pages left in this chapter, which we knew again, we knew at the beginning, we're getting into some shit here. We haven't even made it to 9-11 and I totally fucking bombed that earlier in the episode. Okay. Don't say that. What? You bombed it. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. I fucked it up. Oh, no. I just meant that I, like... I just meant that I tanked it. Oh, tanked probably isn't better either. Jesus, I fucked it up. (laughs) I brought it up too early. Ah, I'm going to have anxieties about that all night. God damn it. Um, No, that's the kind of shit that, like, they say in Rick and Morty. That's why I love that show. Okay. All right, so yeah, that is it for part one of part six, so the first half of part six of Live from New York, still crazy after all these years, covering, we got to like, we covered 95 to 2000, so part two will cover 2000 or 2002. Um, But yeah, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, etc. And don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review. It's super important. Helps us a lot. Yeah, and hit us up on social media. We're on Reddit, Instagram, even though we don't post there anymore because it doesn't fucking work for us. YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, at Sat Night High Pod. Night is spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter. When Saturday Night Live is live i gilda live tweet the episodes on twitter so find us there then and in the meantime yeah we have an entire we have the entirety of season one posted and up and every season 46 episode that's happened so far plus live from new york parts one through five and well if you're listening to six chances are you know that but you know what what the fuck i'll plug it can never plug too many things right we have a website satnighthighpod.com and if you would like to send us a message that is longer than twitter will allow our gmail is satnighthighpod but until next time i'm gilda and i'm steph happy highs happy highs